Hello and welcome to ECPC, the Edgewater Castle podcast. Today I am sitting in a park in Evanston together with Sean Wilson, who is the coach of ECFC, Edgewater Castle Football Club. Hi, how are you doing? I'm well, how are you, Robert? First off, let's check some stats. What is your age? I'm 34 years old. And you were born in? Just outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And you have been a soccer coach in Chicago for Northwind Soccer Club. You have been an academy coach for New England Revolution. You have been teaching soccer, basketball, volleyball, and baseball at the Latin School of Chicago. And currently, you are the assistant coach of the first team at Edgewater Castle. And you joined in March 2020. Is that all correct? Yeah, that's correct. All right. Well, then let's get started. What is your origin story? How did you find your way to Edgewater Castle? So I moved to the Chicago area um, about five years ago now with my now wife. Uh, she was here for grad school and I had left the coaching scene after coaching some town programs uh, back on the East Coast outside of Boston for a while. I left coaching and was uh, working in nonprofits full time. After watching her pursue her passion in, uh, in theater, she was getting her MFA in directing. It kind of helped me re-engage what my passion was, which was coaching and soccer. And so I decided to start coaching again once I started working with the Latin School of Chicago's middle school programs, both the boys and the girls. Started thinking about long term what I'd like to be doing and if it was a career for me. I was thinking about the college game, which is something I'm still working on pursuing currently. And so I started looking at my resume first, saw that it was mostly youth coaching, which is great. And I, you know, I enjoy doing it and working on that developmental level. But I really wanted to start putting things on my resume that might help me get to that next level, show I have that experience without actually having that college level experience. So I started looking at men's teams since over here the amateur and semi-pro and even low-level pro scene has kind of exploded over the past few years where there's just teams everywhere. was living in Edgewater, so the first thing I googled was, you know, Edgewater men's team. Uh, Edgewater Castle came up and so sent an email out to Andrew and uh, he asked me to come out to a session. I think it ended up being with the second team at Sen High School. So I went out, watched a session, had a good conversation with him, was happy to do whatever I could just to kind of get in with the team and, and figure out if it was something I was interested in pursuing. It was a great conversation. He asked me if I could come out, and I was, was happy to jump in with both feet and got, I would say, two or three weeks in with the second team. We were playing at Chicago Futsal Academy and just finishing up their season, so he let me come and work on a a couple games with those guys right before they were going into the playoffs of their league, then uh, everything kind of got shut down. So I got a solid two weeks, three weeks in with these guys and then spent the next six months on Zoom attending team meetings. Wojciech was very gracious in you know, allowing me opportunities to speak to the team and opportunities to kind of contribute what I'd like to those meetings because it was something that you know was new to everybody. So we talked a little bit about some psychology we talked a little bit about some team dynamic stuff as we were kind of trying to build that culture and kind of keep it together obviously because everyone was separated 
And then we tried to put in a little bit of off-season conditioning, training, and even just a little bit of skills competition for those guys to kind of keep that team culture and work on, on some technique alive while we were kind of stuck at home. So that that's my origin with, with ECFC. Was your approach to soccer always through coaching? Uh, I started playing when I was five. I, you know, I played every sport. I played year-round basketball. I played football for a year, but it competed with soccer, so I got rid of that. I played baseball. I played a little bit of everything, but soccer was kind of always my number one, and then I kind of grew to play club as well. So I was playing soccer year-round eventually. I did play through high school and played club, but kind of realized as high school was coming to an end that it wasn't going to be a, a career for me at least unless I wanted to look at playing at the couple D3 schools that were looking at me or overseas somewhere. And at that point, for me, it just wasn't a career option. I was a goalkeeper, so I kind of took a break from soccer going to college. I decided to go to Clemson and uh, just kind of pursue what else was out there and, and was studying business, having a good time. It was D1 school, so I got to see basketball and football and that whole scene, but did miss soccer a little bit. But I think it was a good break for me. So even though playing wasn't necessarily my path, I still loved just the feeling of being on a soccer pitch and being around it. I think that break allowed me to get some perspective and pursue coaching in a way that, you know, I, I always try and intentionally bring that balance of and, and work and enjoyment at the same time. And can we interweave those? Because for me, while I had a lot of playing experience and I loved playing the coaches I had nobody was awful right nobody was terrible nobody scarred me for life but nobody made me feel like I could make that next step and plenty of them made me feel like you know I'm doing this for me but I have no desire to push extra for you because I don't think you have my back so I think that kind of drove me in coaching as well which is kind of my second wind into soccer or second try as a coach but I've always loved being around the sport. And even when I was looking into business and studying business in school, it was figuring out how I could bridge business with whether it was soccer or any other kind of sport and be on the sports side as much as humanly possible to still get that taste. Growing up, my parents, neither of them had played, but they took it upon themselves to you know, be my coaches when I was at a young age. My mom actually ended up working as you know an additional volunteer job as our, our in-town coordinator running all the intramural programs there and so I think my love of being on the field was I would go down on a Saturday I may have my game in the morning I may have it in the afternoon but because she had to be down there coordinating everything I spent my entire Saturday 8 a.m. to 5 or 6 on the field wandering around games watching games kicking around whatever I think it's something that it's pretty well known internationally. That's more of the culture than what we have here with soccer. It's just part of you can pick up and play whenever you want, right? And there's always people around that want to play, and there's plenty of pitches around. But here it's a lot more structured, and it's like it starts now, it ends now, and now you move on to the next thing because kids' schedules are so jam-packed. I think that's one of the ways that helped me fall in love with it because I got more of an international taste only in the sense that I was immersed in it, and it was just everywhere and so accessible to me versus maybe some other kids, um, which is another push. Why One of the reasons I love our, our mission with Edgewater Castle and one of the reasons I was so excited when I found it, when I was searching, is I told Andrew, you know, I actually had the same thought. I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm not even, you know, that far into my coaching career. But 
when I get to a point where I have a little bit of influence or I have a little bit of experience and I can either found a club or something, I want it to be built around accessibility and opportunity because it's just so silly that what should be the cheapest sport there is is so expensive for kids to play right now. So, Did you also watch the coaches very closely? No, back then probably not, to be honest with you. Uh, I, pr I just watched the games, and it was, it was bouncing around between playing and watching and even a little bit. I don't know exactly what age I was, whether I was 16 or 14, but I actually started coaching back then. One of my brother's coaches allowed me to be a, a quote, assistant coach. I don't know how much I contributed other than just being an additional pain in the butt that got to kick around at their practices, but they let me hang around, and, and I did what I could uh, when I was asked. But, yeah, no, I didn't start watching coaches intently until I, I decided to make it a, a career and decided to pursue it, which was three, four years ago now. Um, is really when I kind of dove into that. And it was so much more, again, accessible on TV now. You can watch Premier League. You can watch Bundesliga. You can watch all these interviews and short documentaries and everything about coaches. And there's so much info online that it just made it so easy to dive into once I decided that was kind of what I wanted to follow. So it's recent, but there's plenty of knowledge out there to go and get to build up a long, long period of knowledge in a short time. Let's shift the focus over to Edgewater Castle. What would you say makes this club special? A couple things. On every level, whether you're talking people's backgrounds, where they came from, their playing background, what level they, they were able to play at, whether you know, you've got players like Corey that played at D1, you've got guys that never played after playing club, and it's such a mix. I know we've got guys that are still on the team today that had never really played organized 11v11 until they started with Edgewater and came strictly from, um, you know, if you want to call it street soccer, right, where you played plenty, but it wasn't structured. And so that is amazing to me that we can blend that. You know, it takes a lot of work on, you know, our coaches' part, but it takes a lot of work on those guys' part to blend together, work together, get used to one another and each other's style. But also it's a lot of bending and breaking some habits that are formed from playing different ways that don't necessarily work together. You know, learning as an adult is so hard and changing those habits. You know, if I'm working with a nine-year-old, I'm only breaking maybe four years of habits that they've been playing for a while. You know, working with, I was talking to Jose, who's 28, right? We've got 14, 15, 16 plus years of habits that we have to break or adapt or tweak a little bit. So it takes a lot of work on their part. And that kind of is my, my second part of what makes it so special with these guys is they're all willing to, not just willing, but excited to show up and play and work and get better. I've never been around a group of players that want to learn and want to get better and want to be coached like I have with this group, which makes it so much fun that they want to hear what we have to say. They understand it. I try and invite them to contribute to that conversation as much as possible as well So, because they're on the field and it's you know going to be their perspective when they're out there. So I want to make sure what I'm reading is what they're seeing and we're on the same page, but they, they take that instruction and input and, and put it to practice so quickly. It's, it's so much fun to coach. Give us a little bit of insight into the work that you do with Coach Wojciech, with James, and with Stockton. Those are the three other coaches that you have there for the first team. 
What does that usually look like? I think, I think that's probably changed every week I've been with the club. And part of that is we have an ever-changing roster, right? It's been an ever-changing environment going from my first couple weeks where we were indoor and I didn't know anybody to COVID and being online to kind of coming back and trying to get myself back into the fold while Wojciech's getting us ready preseason and, uh, you know, finishing up player tryouts, things like that, to slowly taking on more of a role with the goalkeepers and now a little bit more of a role with the reserve team. So every week it's been different. Wojciech, he's got such a clear picture of what he wants this team to do and be on the field and how he wants them to play and even as a team off the field what he wants that to look like which is great because I was looking for someone that I could work with that had that clear picture as I kind of try and develop my own to be able to help him put that into practice and so being able to know here's our end goal here's a very clear picture of it these guys know it because we've told them it but how do we add pieces in training or talk about it on the pitch or at halftime or something like that to help realize that picture. So that's been great. Um, Wojciech really makes that clear for us and, 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 and is a great guide in that sense. And I'm allowed a lot of input and we talk about it. And even if we're disagreeing on things, we, we figure out where that is and are able to bridge that gap so that then we're working on the same page again. I'll try and, and describe a typical week, even though it's been, been changing. But, um, you know, we'll, after we'll have our game, typically on a Saturday, a few days off, I will try and watch the game tape. I'm sure Wojciech's watched it three times by the time I've watched it because he's usually sent clips. But I will try and watch it Monday at the, at the latest so I can kind of take notes on what we've done that I've noticed, maybe repetitive missteps that we've taken or some habits that we want to shine a light on for certain players, things like that. Obviously, goalkeepers as well. I'm watching shots and and anything that goes in to really try and focus on those. I will work with the reserve team now on Tuesdays, which uh, we'll bring goalkeepers out to, but it's really just a whole bunch of guys that enjoy playing, want to get some, some good work in, and... Some of them hoping to to get a shot with the first team, which we're kind of working on now is identifying a few of those guys that might be able to get into training at least and and see what the first team's really like. After that, you know, today's actually Wednesday, so uh, I'm sure if I don't already have it on my phone, pretty shortly Wojciech sends out the schedule for the the session. Um, He's usually got us assigned to uh, different portions of it depending on what we want to work on he's got a very clear one or two activities that are either in response to our previous game in response to something we've been working on all season or in response to watching tape on next week's team and then typically Wednesdays now more or less I, I'm with coach Stockton and we work on keeper things so we touch base on Wednesdays as well James then I see on Tuesdays for the reserves we'll see him on Wednesdays as well he kind of fills in those gaps between Wojciech and I, and when I'm gone with keepers, James takes over, you know, extra activities that kind of coincide with what Wojciech's working on, and then we'll have a little little chat. Wojciech and I probably end up at the fields 45 minutes to an hour after everybody else is gone, uh, talking about either training or the game tape or any of the, the players and things. You know, sometimes happy, sometimes frustrated, sometimes both, but just trying to figure out how we both see the team, how we 
see the players and, and where we need to go from there. And then uh, Fridays, James is off with the reserves. They have games. And I typically have, we've started doing an early session with the goalkeepers. So I'll have the goalkeepers for about an hour. Same thing, Wojciech will split up the schedule with me, let me know what he's going to be working on, and then invite me kind of a, to fill in the rest with one activity or another. Just keep an eye on kind of how everybody's playing. And then by the end of that session, uh, the guys will start getting ready to head out and we'll let them know what the 19 are going to be for that week who are dressing, which some guys know, you know, there's a lot of guys that are in every week, but there's a lot of guys that are biting at the, uh, chomping at the bit to, to get in. And, and we want to try and give these guys opportunities when we can. With all the injuries we've had, we've had a lot of changes, so we've had to spend a little bit more time on who that 19 is, um, but we'll announce that at the end of practice. And then we've got the games. I try and do what I can. While it's not the most glorious part of, of being an assistant, I try and do what I can on the administrative side and taking care of all those things so that we can show up on Saturdays or, you know, in the case we have Sunday games. Stockton takes the keepers right away and gets that warm. I hop in when I can, um, but, but I want to make sure he has his isolated time with them. I try and keep all the paperwork away from Wojciech so he can concentrate on the game because that's the, the most important thing there. And then Coach James and I kind of finish up, um, like I said, the paperwork, the, the roster, the subs, and specifically you know corners, free kicks, things like that that are, are more detailed that the players might need to, might need to know. But it's, it's a team effort. It's a very flexible effort, and it's been an ever-changing one. I think we're starting to get a little bit more of a regular flow and figuring out what we're going to be doing each week and kind of knowing ahead of time and what our roles are and fleshing those out a little bit more. The last thing I'll say is Wojciech um, and I actually joke a lot about we're in the Edgewater Castle coaches training because it's as much a training for us as we try and improve as coaches and, and build our own experience and resume and our own identities as coaches um, as it is for the players so you know we do as much reflecting on our own coaching as we do on the players and and how they play. Edgewater Castle is also a community soccer club let's focus a little bit on that community aspect of it what is Edgewater Castle offering players on the pitch and off the pitch? Access and opportunity anybody it, it happens fairly often whether you know Wojciech notices somebody or I see somebody at training or guys happen to see the reserves practicing it happened last week we have a new guy that came in that they'll approach us ask who we are and they're welcome to come out and work with the reserves and, and see if they can can join up with us we're setting a higher and higher standard in terms of who's making that team but everybody's welcome and everybody's welcome to take their shot and it's really just about you know, dedication and ability and willingness to work. And it has, you know, nothing to do with who you are, where you come from, how much money you got in your back pocket, which I love. So these guys that probably could have gone and played in college or could have played at another level or whatever, but didn't necessarily have the opportunity or the information or the support, um, I love that we provide that. I think it's something for these guys that, while yes, on the pitch it happens, you know, I think your work with our, our media and support and this culture that we're building is giving a lot of these guys this level of 
support on and off the pitch that they're not used to and that they are really starting to embrace now. These guys love being a part of the club. The attitude that of these guys and these guys who start and play and it's not like they're just along for the ride talking about how awesome it would be even once they're done playing to be able to say like oh yeah I was a part of starting that I was a member of that team back in the day when we played you know at Chicago Futsal Academy or wherever and just like the fact that they have a a pride in being a member of this organization even though it's so young and the mission that we have and are willing to be part of growing it and, and not just concerned with what level I play at right now, how much time I have, things like that is just great. And I'm hoping it's something that then has a ripple effect in, in each of their own lives, right? And, and what they choose to do with it, how they choose to carry themselves, how they choose to interact with everyone else around them, because I think it's a great influence and it's also a great way for me to be able to connect with my community and who's around me you know I'm I've been here for almost five years now but didn't really have a lot of connections and now all of a sudden my network in terms of friends and people I interact with and people I spend my time with has exploded and everyone just has this same kind of attitude of community and taking care of one another really just making sure that everyone is supported the players feel the same way about one another which is great I mean it's it's just yeah, if we could expand that outside of Edgewater and get that going, you know, lots of other places, I think there'd be a lot of a lot of good happening. But but starting at this level is great and starting to create this organization that is hopefully long lasting and, and growing is is awesome. How does that connect to your coaching philosophy? You know, they asked me my coaching philosophy, I think intentionally, but probably every other or every single course in grad school getting my master's, and it was the hardest question to answer because I don't know that I feel like I'll know what that is until I'm maybe done or old and gray, but it's definitely reinforcing that it's around culture and community and the importance of of that team is not just a a unit on the field but a a family and a something that once you're done playing still exists and as we grow that with fans and the like so surprised that that the level of team we are that we have i don't know between like 120 and 200 people come out every game is awesome which game was that steel city when it was just the crowd was bumping and it was so loud and you could feel the energy that was so cool so the fact that we are able to affect outsider of our own team, um, our community that way, and they're able to give it back to us is great. And it's something that, you know, even if I'm not in Chicago anymore, I've, I've already had the thoughts of like, you know, if I'm back home in Boston, I'm going to reach out to Andrew and I'll be like, Andrew, okay, how do I build this? How do I, I want to create a, you know, a sister team. We'll, we'll play each other every year. We'll go Chicago to Boston, Boston, Chicago, whatever. How do we start? growing organizations like this all over so we've got little pockets of it that hopefully continue to spread. What are some of the challenges that you encountered working with Edgewater Castle and how can you as a coach support these players? Keeping in mind that they are all so different and people learn in different ways and experiences build on how people learn and where people are starting from is is huge. So part of it is trying to understand their perspective when we're coming across to things and I try and make every conversation I have with a player even if I know there's a specific instruction I want to give them or specific support I try and make sure that it's a two-way conversation to where here's what I'm seeing 
here's my take on it. A, is this what you see? And, and ask them to, you know, confirm it or not. Once we've kind of settled on the same perspective of like, okay, here's what I think is going to help us take it to that next level, or here's what's going to help correct that, or here's what we need to work on to increase the consistency of, of, of our quality. And also getting their feedback on that. Is that something you can do? Is that something you're comfortable with? Is it something you've dealt with before? You know, do, do you agree with that? Because, uh, you know, I think it's really important, especially with guys at this age and this level to get their buy-in because, you know, we do only see them a couple times a week and then a game. So if you can get them to buy into a mindset or buy into a habit or buy into their own self-improvement and their own training and I mean, they're going to spend more time on themselves than we can spend with them, right? Wojciech and I have them Wednesdays and Fridays. Someone like, I know Rafa puts in work every single day. The guy works his butt off. He's putting in work probably Sunday, to be honest with you, but, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday as well. So he's putting more work in on his own than we have time to spend with him, and you can see the difference on the field. And so if you can create that buy-in because players – understand that you understand them or want to understand them and and are part of their own process and part of their own development, then you're going to get that extra work outside of it and um, off the pitch for the guys that really want to get there and really want to improve. So I think that's so important. I think another part of it is, you know, while I've done the the diploma through United Soccer Coaches and I mean, we talked about it in just about every course in, in my master's program, but we had a specific psychology course there. It's such an ongoing practice and experience, and there's just so much to learn about it and so much to study. And because everyone's so varied, um, for me to be able to help these guys, it's something that I need to constantly be digesting and tweaking my own approach because I'm different than Wojciech, different than Stockton, different than James. And so even the way that we utilize and practice our own coaching psychology, but also, you know, sports psychology, the way we interact with players is going to be different and it's going to be more successful. You know, all four of us could try and do the exact same thing and have the exact same conversation with a player and it's going to go four different ways and they might all be successful, but it's going to come out four different ways and it's going to look four different ways and understanding that and having being humble as a coach I think is important knowing that whoever's way it works is is really important and that even that's going to need to change player to player game to game week to week as these guys develop so it's it's super important number one is buy-in what what do we need to get as much buy-in as possible to get these guys working round the clock on themselves outside of you know the little bit of time that we have with them during the week Okay, so that is the influence that you as a coach have on the players. Let's switch that around. What influences you? For me, it's watching the game. For me, it's watching other coaches and listening to other coaches. I get so much out of watching and listening to and having conversations with James and Stockton and Wojciech. Some of the stuff I've gotten out of our, my conversations with Wojciech have just been awesome in helping me in, in my own career and how I approach training sessions and preparation and, and games. And outside of soccer, something that has nothing to do with it that helps you to grow as a coach? I mean, my wife. My wife's been at 
theater, which is kind of very similar to coaching in terms of the life that you're you're living, right? And it's gig to gig. You have to draw your own feedback and your own reflections on things, and it's a very personal formation of, of who you are and your identity, especially in terms of me pursuing it as a career. And it helps that, you know, she wasn't afraid to push as well as soon as I showed that maybe that would, coaching is what I'd be interested in. Um, but that really helped propel me to be like, all right, my, my new philosophy is going to be identify or figure out what it is that you love to do or enjoy and then figure out how to make that a career rather than figure out where the money is and figure out how to make that enjoyable. I guess outside of soccer, I listen to a lot of podcasts, which is going to be the weird experience for me here is that I'm on the other end of it. Um, not necessarily any one podcast in particular, but rather seeing who they're interviewing. Is it a person that, you know, I think, again, I can draw that knowledge from and take in particular things. And, and if it is, yep, I'll, I'll pop it on. And it's just kind of ongoing throughout the day while I'm getting my stuff done as I'm trying to download anything I can from um, anybody in social sciences or philosophy, psychology, coaching and soccer as well. So if you can identify who those people are, and then try and find out who influenced them, I think that's great. So we're almost at the end of the interview here. How can players who want to become a part of Edgewater Castle approach the club? Send us an email. I think it's edgewatercastlefc at gmail. That goes straight to Andrew, who's one of our founders and, and GM, and he'll plug you in with our uh, reserves coach and get you in and into a session. And we're happy to see you come out and play with us. And then we go from there. Um, our first team's playing great and growing, and we're really focused on continuing to establish that reserves team as well and, and identify guys and get them through our system. That's the first step is come out, knock the ball around with our reserves and, and see A, if it's a fit for you and B, if you're a fit for us and then play hard and, and, and you you know if you're ready for it you'll get an opportunity to come train with the first team as well. I'm sure you can reach out through social media as well. On Tuesday nights we play at Fleet Fields at 7 p.m. for the reserves. Um, if you want to come out and just see the the first team play it's Wednesdays at 8 at Chase Park and Fridays at uh, Wilson Track at 9 o'clock and uh, join in on the reserves and then we'll uh, we'll get you going. Last thing, as always, I'm going to ask you six questions. Question number one, what is your pregame ritual? Oh, man, I should probably have one. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be honest because I know you wanted a short answer, but uh, I just finished our, my youth season. I typically had two or three games that day before our games this summer and this spring, so I didn't even have time for a pregame ritual. What it probably ended up being was cleaning up and taking a shower and, and feeling better uh, before I went out to, to our game at night because it was it was a hot spring. Second question, how realistic is Ted Lasso? I love Ted Lasso. My, You know what I appreciate? My wife likes that show and she is not a, a sports fan at all. How realistic is it? Not, not very, not very at all, except for maybe that's what some American coaches sound like even here that are, that are still coaching soccer here. Um, so actually maybe I'd say right, right down the middle, a little, little half yes, half no. Aside from soccer, this is question three. What are you very talented at? Oh gosh, 
I'm going to say being humble because my response was almost nothing. <laughs> I'm not very good at, at uh, identifying those. So I guess being humble and, and having perspective. All right. Well, that's, that's fair. I'll, I'll take that. In five years, ECFC will Ooh, provide a regular route to professional teams for players. What makes a, a practice session successful? Uh, I'll go back to an earlier answer, buy-in. The guys buying in, working hard, and listening to what we're trying to do and, and put their own influence into it, buy-in. Question number six, work hard, play hard, or slow and steady? Ooh, I've recently made the shift from work hard, play hard to slow and steady, and intentional practice with the slow and steady. So. All right, thank you so much. That was Sean Wilson, the assistant coach of Edgewater Castle. Thank you very much. Thank you. And with that, we have reached the end of this episode. As a little bonus, we asked Sean to put together a Spotify playlist of his favorite songs. You can find the link in the description of this episode or on edgewatercastlefc.com. You can also follow ECFC on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook to get the latest updates. And make sure to subscribe to ECPC on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or Overcast. Thank you very much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episodes. And as always, go Rooks!